0: Hi, I'm Andalisi,
1: And I'm Chef James Rigato.
0: In this episode of Essential Cooking, it's just us, which is one of our favorite ways to do these episodes, when I talk with James about his latest travels to Italy. Well, these are some of my favorite segments. When you and I sit and talk together and I get to ask you a ton of questions about food and anything else— And this time, we're going to talk to you about going to Italy. And we've talked about Italy before, and you've been there a number of times. But we want to take this one from a different perspective, which is you put this trip together really, really quickly. And I want to talk to you about how you actually traveled. We certainly will touch on the food, of course. But how did you, like, when do you decide, oh, I'm just going to go to Italy? How long were you gone? Two weeks or something?
1: Yeah, I did a a two-week trip uh, solo. Mm -hmm. And... I think I planned it eight weeks out. I feel like eight weeks out was like the framework. Like buy the plane tickets, depend, decide on the cities, and then get the in you know the the domestic flights because mm-hmm. you have some choices usually. If you're going to go city to city, you you can do domestic flights pretty easily. So I bought the you know the to and from, which is a little bit annoying nowadays because with COVID we lost a lot of direct. Flights, Mm -hmm. so Rome direct is only a couple months in the summer. So I had to fly, and this is my first tip for flying: is I always want to have my layover in on the continent of which I'm going. Ah, Okay. So I don't want to fly to Rome and have a layover in Atlanta Mm -hmm. because you can get stuck in Atlanta, and Atlanta is great, but you're not you're not planning for Atlanta. Right. If I get stuck in Amsterdam or Paris, no big deal. Exactly. I could even like I could even like find a different quick flight. Even if I have to say I'm going to buy a flight from you know from Copenhagen or from Paris or wherever to Rome, you can usually find something for like 200 bucks, mm-hmm. you know, quickly. So I always that's
0: that, really good advice. Yeah,
1: and even like you know same thing with like whatever Asia. If you're going if you're going to Tokyo and you don't have a direct, I'd rather you know I guess like that's Tokyo is the wrong example. If you're going to Vietnam, I want to lay over. You know, maybe in Seoul or in Tokyo, because same thing. If you're stuck, or if your flight gets delayed, or whatever, then you're right. still in a great city. Yeah, your layover cities are more important than you think, and you want to mm-hmm. make sure the airport has the resources if you need to stay the night, or if you need to get a cab, or whatever. Yeah. So booking your layover is uh, very important to me where you do it, but the con- especially Europe. Try to I don't want to layover in JFK because mm-hmm. JFK is notorious for you know delays. So I want to do it in, in in Copenhagen or in, um, in Amsterdam or. Uh, Or Paris, right? So once
0: you decided how you were going to get there, and you got those flights ready, then it's like, what are you going to do when you're there, and how are you going to get around when you get there?
1: So the first thing I did was I booked that walking food tour with Katie Parlas group Mm -hmm. because we had her on the show. I wanted to check out that. That Oh, we have to talk
0: about that after we just after we figure out how you got your way around.
1: So I'm going into Rome. You know, you land you land in Fiumicino, which is like you know, 35 minute drive from the city of Rome or you can take the Leonardo Express train which goes direct from the Rome Termini, the central station. Mm-hmm. So I do a couple of days in Rome. I've been to Rome a bunch. I like Rome. Uh, it's not my favorite city in the world. I do love it a lot. Right. Like two, three days is good. So two and a half mm-hmm. days. And then I'm like, my cousin lives in Bologna. He's Italian. He lives in Bologna. And he was, uh, I, I, I kind of was like, hey, I got these two weeks. When can you join? And it was his birthday. So he's like, let's do Sicily for four days. So we were like, okay, cool. We book Palermo and he books everything. I'm like, he's like, I got it. Don't worry. I'm going to put it all together and we'll just settle up at the end. I landed in Rome and the floods in Bologna were crazy. He couldn't even get out of his house. Bologna was flooding. So he's like, you have to, he's like, I can't make it to Palermo. So like I land in Rome, I'm going to Palermo in three days and I got to now figure out everything because he had the car, he had the lodging, he had everything booked. Um, we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> But, so I knew I was going to go to Palermo, so I bought a little uh, domestic flight from Rome to Palermo, and then I booked a flight from because you're on an island, right? Sicily is an island, obviously. Mm-hmm. So you can't just. You, you, there is a train, but that's a quite a distance, and, and you got to take the train physically gets on a ferry. Oh, right. So it's it's a very it's mm-hmm. cool, but it's a uh, it's it takes time to get from you know from Sicily by train up up north. So I, I booked a flight from uh, Palermo to Naples. I had three days in Naples, and then when I I didn't book a train ticket because I knew it was going to be easy. The trains are very easy. Mm -hmm. So I I knew I was going to take the train from Naples to Bologna. And then I knew I was going to take a train from Bologna to Padua. And then I would hire a driver, just a quick taxi, um, to drive me to the Venice airport. Mm -hmm. I like to fly out of Venice. Right. It's a little bit smaller and a more manageable airport than Rome, Fiumicino. So that's my little trick. I also have family up in Veneto, so it makes sense Mm -hmm. to go up there, you know, so – if you're not going up north, then obviously it doesn't make sense to fly out of there. But it is a way less stressful airport than than Rome. Um, so I fly, I like to fly out of Venice. And then same thing. I landed in JFK because I want to be in the continent. Right. So I booked, Palermo, I booked Palermo. My cousin booked it. And then I obviously had to book it last second. And then the floods, literally, like the floods like went away and dried up like immediately. So he ended up. We kind of threw together a hodgepodge trip. So like I had already booked a hotel. So then he threw together an Airbnb. He scrapped his original plans. We got the Palermo. He ended up booking a car last second. And we still we did most of the things we were gonna do anyways. Mm-hmm. But it was like, you know, I'm landing in Rome. And right when I get cell phone service, I get like, you know, text, text, text. My cousin's like, Oh my god, look at these pictures, <laughs> look at these videos. I mean, it was a it was a national emergency, like highways were collapsing. It was it was terrible. Bologna had some record floods right when I landed. So and I'm supposed to go to Bologna at the end of this trip. And I'm like, okay, well, now I got to figure out. But, you know, it was a lesson in, like, you know, let things kind of play out. Mm-hmm. So, obviously, I'm like, okay, well, I'm going to figure out. Going to Palermo with, now with a, no plans. I booked a hotel room. But other than that, I had no plans. Uh, it's kind of an opportunity. So, I had the Katie Parlor trip, the walking tour, booked. Um, for then, where? For Rome. Okay. And then, you know, I use an app called With Locals. And I, it, it does a very good job of of hooking you up with local food tours and local walking tours. Oh, that's cool. With, with locals, obviously. Um, I will say they take a little bit too much from the tour guides, in my opinion. So once I make a contact, I try to like – and this is a little cheat, so with locals probably going to hear me and, you know, they're going to try to block <laughs> this. But while we can get away with it, I always recommend booking a very minimal tour. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, one-hour walking tour. Get to know the city. And then once I'm in contact with the host, I say, hey. I want to go all out. I'm going to pay you in cash, like you know, because it's it's better for them. Right. The app gets their money still, mm-hmm. but the host gets taken care of. You know, I do this with Uber too when I travel. Like, sure, you, know, you get an Uber driver, mm-hmm. you get an Uber Black, and then you get his number, and you're like, hey, can you drive me, you know, mm-hmm. in Mexico City? Can you drive me to the pyramids tomorrow? I'll pay right. you cash, and you know, this is it's good for everybody. Right. So I did that with a uh, walking food tour in Palermo. I should. I'm sorry, a walking introductory tour. We didn't eat anything, but. I usually pick their brain on where should I eat lunch, where should I eat dinner, where's mm-hmm. the coolest bar, and they just and then you exchange WhatsApp information, and they're your they're your contact ah, the whole yeah. time you're in that city. So I literally book these these walking food tours within the first like hours that I'm in that city. I touch down, drop my bag off, and I want to walk with a local. i mm-hmm. um, even one hour because usually like, you know I'll just like some people most what you, what you can rely on is in the world people don't tip well, right? You can kind of rely right. on that. Mm-hmm. So if I walk in, I'm like, hey, you know. Here's 50 euro, and they usually try to refuse to take it because, mm-hmm. of, you know, tipping is obviously very American. But I'm like, listen, I'm going to reach out. I need you as a resource. Here's a little bit of cash. I'm going to – you're going to work for it, you know, down the line because sure. I'm going I'm to ask you, you know, questions. And then I'm going to – when my friends come here, I'm going to put you in touch because I want, you know, people to experience what I experienced. And I've done that a million times you mm-hmm. know, sent to send people to tour guides that I've had. So we got a great introduction to Palermo, uh, learned kind of what to eat, where to go. We drove out to uh, Trapani, which is on the northwest coast of uh, of Sicily, and it's kind of where, like, a lot of Arabic influence in Sicily. That's that's a known thing, mm-hmm. right? But what's cool is that it still lingers in the food, some of the architecture, too, but you can find a lot of, like, cool street food. Um, couscous is a really big deal in Trapani, and um, and then you can go uh, Ediche, which is, like, the medieval kind of, like— you know, little village up in the mountains. So you take this little cable car ride up to the top, and you just look out over beautiful Trapani right there in the corner. It's where the two seas kind of meet: it's mm-hmm. like the Mediterranean and uh, I can't always pronounce it, but the you know the T H Y. It's like Tyrian, <laughs> <the, the>, the, <laughs> Tyrian ther, uh, Sea. Um, forgive me, I'm not Italian. Uh, I'm Italian American, um, but it was where the two seas meet. So it's a really cool. It's a really cool little uh, little corner of Sicily. And then we flew – you know, what's wild is, like, the weather was gnarly. And, like, I haven't had a lot of flights like this, but it was, like, you know, my cousin's flight, because he was there an hour before me, like, it, like, went for the landing and then had, couldn't make it. And it pulled back up and, and spun around and did it again. Oh, wow. And so, like – and people were screaming and alarms were going off. And, like, my flight was kind of rough, too. Like, they kept – they, like, they, they told you about a water landing, like, four times, like, on the flight. Really? They're just reminding you what to do in a case of water. And I'm, like, what do you – I was like, really? What are you guys talking about? Like, why are you telling us with the water landing so many times? But it was a really nasty weather. We we were obviously we're fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so flying in and out of um, Sicily was 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 pretty cool. Mm-hmm. I will warn you though, the, in the south of Italy, uh, Sundays matter a lot. It's very it's much mm-hmm. more much more Catholic. I feel like the usually you get into more like the you know I don't want like I don't want to say like poorer communities, but like the less resources, like the people that kind of live with a little bit less, like Naples and Palermo. Mm-hmm. Um, Roman Catholic means a lot more, right? you know, there's a lot more. And there's almost superstition even involved. It's like, you know, you see like uh, Padre Pio, like, you know, you know the, the the stigmata priest that's very famous in, in Naples. Like there's definitely some Roman Catholic stuff, of course, but there's almost like a little bit of like New Orleans kind of like superstition in these cities.
0: Do you feel like there's so much history there? Like you must walk around and feel that this Absolutely. is just like, you know... America is still a young country in so many ways, but there's just so much history there that you must just feel it everywhere you go, certainly in the architecture and everything. But like those moments, too, where there's this, you know, communal sort of, I don't know if it's not a celebration necessarily, but a recognition of this part of their history.
1: Definitely. And, you know, Roman Catholic in in Italy is an interesting, it's an interesting relationship because you know, and not to get, not to deep dive on, on religion, but like, you know, a lot of Roman Catholic was kind of adopted by existing, you know, whether it was pagan or like other religions. So there's like, it, it goes farther back than just like, than right. just the history of the Catholic church. There's a lot of like, so in different parts of the country, it's like sometimes, I feel like the Vatican is very like, you know, it's very opulent. It's very, you know, uh, mm-hmm. very gorgeous. It's very, it's it's like a lot, it's very kind of quiet. It's kind of like a, it's like a pristine version of the church. And then you go down south and it's more of like superstition. It's, it reminds me more of like Dia de los Muertos or New mm-hmm. Orleans or it's like it's more it's more superstitious. Right. You know, it has more to do with like, you know, um, auras and vibes and energies and, and spirituality Um you know, there's a lot of murals. There's mm-hmm. a lot. I like you know when someone dies in Naples, for instance. And we're jumping to Naples now. Right? They'll kind of do like a mural, like in the cityscape, like right in the wall somewhere. There'll be like mm-hmm. a picture of somebody and candles and kind of like a little oh. homage. Like mm-hmm. Naples is wild because you're walking around like a tourist area, and but then like you like like in. You walk down a side alley, and there's, like, someone's house. But it's, like, a ground floor of a corner of an alley. And their front door is open, and they're, like, making food. And, like, the son's watching soccer. And, like, the dad's outside having a cigarette. Like, across from where you would get a spritz or, like, next Mm -hmm. to, like, a farm. It's, like, the city of Naples, like, lives in the city. You are, like, with the people. Right. Like, they're, like, they're there. And, I mean, it's really really unique to see that because I feel like a lot Mm -hmm. of other cities, like— Gentrification, or you know, civil engineering is kind of bumped out, or maybe like ground floor is a restaurant, and then mm-hmm. everyone lives above it. Right? Naples is like you are living on this with the people in the street. You're living with them, or you're you're visiting with someone's you know mm-hmm. residence. It's, it's 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 really cool. Naples is Naples blew my mind. I loved Palermo three four days, and I was like very satisfied, and I was ready to go to the next town. Mm-hmm. I did two and a half three days in Naples. I booked a moped tour so I got to see the city via oh, that's moped cool. I had no like you know Capri Sorrento Amalfi Pompeii you know the city center it's all so close you can li- I mean, you can visit like three islands you can see a volcano you can see the historic ruins of Pompeii you can eat the world's greatest pizza you, you and it's all right I mean it's right there it was it was I was very uh I don't want to say like upset but I was very like confused why no one's ever forced the Naples on me. I feel like everyone's told me about Paris. Everyone's mm-hmm. pushed, like, you know, you, you hear the narratives. I've been to Paris, like, six times, and I'm like, dude, Naples dunks on Paris. It, like, dunks on Rome. And I'm like, why have I not gone to Naples before? Why do you think? I don't know. I think, like, all I've ever heard about Naples is, like, people like, oh, it's kind of dangerous. It's kind of like Detroit. It's like, you know, it's got a mafia history just like Sicily. And And you go there, and, like, it's got some grit. It's got some—it's got definitely some, like, uh, inner city kind of, like, uh, you know, patina to it. Mm-hmm. But I I loved it. I mean, I just—I I loved Naples way more than I expected. I knew I was going to enjoy it, mm-hmm. but it, it, like, messed me up. I'm like—I'm dying to—I'm going to I'm gonna do a week. And I think anybody that goes to Naples, I recommend a week.
0: And the food there?
1: Remarkable. This is where you get into street food. Pizza, obviously, right? And— you know, there's obviously there's different styles of pizza. There's the fried pizza. There's the, you know, the, the traditional, you know, margarita pizza. Mm-hmm. But then you can also get, like, you know, some of these guys are deep diving into, like, whole wheat doughs or, like, you know, they're 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 trying to get, you know, more. Um, somebody don't, won't do the cornicione, which is, like, the really big puffy crust. That's not right. kind of what you're famous, you know, uh, it's famous to see. So there's a lot of different styles of pizza, not just Napolitan. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, I think I had four pizzas when I was there. Um you know, because I was alone, it's not as, it's not. you know, I wish I would have had more. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you get street food. So you have, you know, you have, you have a lot of like, there's a lot of options in Naples. You can eat cheap in Naples very easily. And it's delicious. I'm sure it's incredible. Yeah. You, get, you know, meatballs the legend of which is like the onion, 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 and it's basically like onion braised meatballs. Very, very, oh. very humble and rustic. Um, yeah. You get the, fr- you get like, the, basically the fried cup, <sighs> like, of all the different uh, vegetables, like the scraps of vegetables and, that sounds yeah, there's so a good. there's a lot of there's a lot of different street food in Naples, but there's a few serious like you know tasting menu restaurants too.
0: And we'll be right back right after this. So let me ask you this: This is nothing to do with food or anything else, um, but. A lot of people listening don't speak Italian. Mm -hmm. So it can be daunting for people to go to another country where they don't speak the language and try to get around the way you did. Um, What would you say about that, about trying to get around being an English-speaking person?
1: You know, most most countries in Europe are really accepting of English-speaking. You know, Italy, I think, has like 65 million tourists a year. Mm-hmm. I think it's... I feel like... I was arguing with my business business partner because he loves France and I love Italy. And I think France still leads, but Italy is one of the most visited countries in the world. Mm-hmm. So, you you know, the population there is totally accepting of English. And even if they don't speak English, the hospitality is, is through the roof. You're going right. to get taken care of. You're going to, you know, Google Translate. Um, kindness is a universal language. Mm-hmm. So that, that goes so far. I don't speak Italian. I mean, I, I speak... I can read menu very well right? you know but I don't really speak Italian but I'm just always kind uh, patient mm-hmm. you know you, you learn I usually learn like you know I'm sorry or excuse me you know so like when you interrupt somebody you say scuso you know like, mm-hmm. I'm sorry like you know right. and then you just say like you know I don't, you know, I don't speak Italian like, I'm so sorry and like right there just by saying excuse me I'm sorry forgive me I don't speak Italian right you, that's a that's a great gateway just, mm-hmm. you, just li- literally learn I'm sorry excuse me pardon me mm-hmm. you know le- learn some polite you know sayings and you're going to be just fine
0: that's pretty cool
1: but i mean there's a lot of places that in the smaller like abruzzo it's tougher to find right uh english speaking but like i said kindness goes a long way and have cash get get euros have have cash also euros this is this is very important euros um go up to like 500 hundred dollar bills mm-hmm. 200 hundred dollar bills nobody has changed for those like you're, you're going, you're visiting mom and pop shops. Right. Italy, it's very hard to be like capitalism doesn't really exist in Italy. It's kind of hard to jump a class. Mm-hmm. It's hard to make uh, a lot of money. So when you're going to a store, you know, I mean, if you have a 500 euro bill, I mean, you're good luck. Banks won't exchange it for you. Like you can't, if you go to the currency exchange, they're like, get out of here. We exchange U.S. dollars for euros. Uh, right. They don't break euros. Mm-hmm. So when you go to your currency exchange in America do not touch $500 euros. I mean, unless you're talking about, unless you're buying like a car over there or something. <laughs> so yeah, definitely That's great 20s, advice. you know, 10s, 20s, maybe 50s, depending on how, where you're eating. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, even a hundred is very hard to break.
0: That's really good advice. So you and I spoke with Katie Parla. That was a great interview. And um, you went on her tour over there.
1: I did. I went with one of her colleagues. Tell, tell me what that was like. So we met in Testaccio, which is the old uh it's actually where she took stanley tucci mm. on his episode oh okay and lombardo anthony lombardo was really insisting i visited Testaccio, which is basically their old slaughterhouse area mm-hmm. and it's been rehabbed into like housing and where and is this located this so this is this is in this is obviously in, in... in rome but it's a right. little bit south of the center so it's kind of across the river oh, okay um it's you know it's you know it's 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 obviously in the city it's in the city center because Back in, like, the ancient days, you wanted to have this close enough to right. the city, but you want it on the water so you can move. So it's right on the river. Because right. you obviously want to move animals and different things in and out of the river. Right. Um, so it's, 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 it's relative. It's in the city center. It's walkable. I mm-hmm. walked there from my hotel. Oh, okay. And my hotel was, like, right in the center. I think I was, like, you know, a five-minute walk from the Trevi, uh, Trevi Fountain. So I was pretty pretty central. Right. And then it's, yeah, I walked there. Maybe, like, a mile. You know, stay near the Coliseum. It's about a, a mile from the Coliseum. And— we walked, you know, basically the farmer's market. There are some people doing, um, you know, butchery things still. I had the uh, payata, which is basically um, the veal intestine that is still full of milk from obviously being milk-fed. They tie it off. It looks like a little caramelly pasta. And then they braise it in, like, tomato sauce. So it basically is like a cheese-filled pasta mm-hmm. is kind of how it tastes. But it's a milk-filled Veal intestine. So this is... It's remarkable. It's wow. Very, it's very delicious. It's a classic Roman dish. Right. You don't see it too much. Mm-hmm. I think that's... Had um, you ever had it before? No. I've had veal... I've had, I've had veal intestines. Even in uh, in Sicily, they do a lot of grilled... green I mean, intestines are right. commonly eaten. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know, it's usually, like, it's the casing even for a lot of sausages and stuff. Right. So, you know, I've had intestine, but never this milk-filled. And it was really kind of crazy because you're eating and you're like, this is... Mm-hmm. Like a pasta. It was like a cheese stuffed pasta. Mm -hmm. And I think for the average person listening, they're probably grossed out by hearing that. But it was, you know, and we talked about that when we had, you know, uh, when we talked to the vegans, Jessica Hayes and and Sadie, Mm -hmm. you know, you go to some of these cultures and like, you know, this is what they've always done. And it's like, you just kind of, I have have a tendency just to tap into whatever, you know, Mm -hmm. whether it's eating bugs in Mexico or, you know, eating veal head in, in France. You just kind of, you know, I mean, eating all sorts of crazy things in Vietnam. I just usually tap into what they're doing locally and just Mm -hmm. try to, you know, experience it from a local's perspective. And that's definitely a very Roman butcher's dish. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was wonderful. Um, So we walked around the market. I actually sat down at a natural wine bar. We're sipping a glass of wine. And the guy next to me is like, oh, are you – oh, you guys American? And, you know, the guide was like, oh, he is, you know, And, uh, he's like, oh, I'm a chef. He's a chef in Nashville. He works for, uh, Tony Montuana who came from Chicago. So like Eric Lees from (laughs) Bassan is like, used to work with this guy. So I'm like, oh yeah, I know Eric. And he's like, wow. He knows Remiglio. We just were, you know, yeah. That's so crazy. So random. So, uh, yeah, we just, we we were chumming it up. But yeah, I mean, chefs obviously are, chefs are traveling, you Mm -hmm. know, that's a, that's a very, that's that's not the craziest thing to come across a chef. Right. Traveling and eating around Rome.
0: Um, yeah. Before you—you and I talked about this at one point, and I thought this was interesting, too, about how you eat when you get back from a trip like that. Oh,
1: straight detox.
0: So you really give your body a break when you get back. Because part of your—I mean, part of why you travel—I know you love to travel, but part of it is, I'm sure, to get inspiration because you're a chef and to be in other cultures and how they cook and how they, you know, what they do there. And so you're consuming a lot, I assume, when you're there. Um, how do you usually feel when you get back? And I say this because when I was in Italy, I ate pasta every day and pizza almost every day, and I felt great. Mm -hmm. Like, I didn't feel the way I feel sometimes here, which is the bloat and the uncomfortableness after having all that gluten and what have you. And it really struck me at how I didn't feel like that when I was there.
1: No, I mean, the relationship in Italy with digestion is huge. They're very obsessed with digestion. You know, we right. talked about that with yeah, Katie. Yeah, with Katie, yep. And, you know, you yeah, I mean, I feel, I mean, I've, I think I was walking about 25,000 steps a day. So I didn't actually, oh, yeah. I didn't like have a, I didn't feel like I gained a bunch of weight on this trip or anything. But yeah, when I come home, I detox. I usually go vegan and I go sober and I, just, I mean, especially sober, you know, mm-hmm. alcohol is such a, mm-hmm. it's such a slippery slope. You oh, know, you sure. got to really get it in check when you come back from a trip. And yeah, I mean, you ha- you have to sober up and uh, detox your body. Especially, I mean, the American foods, you know, system is so broken. I mean, I, I you know I, I, we talk about that a lot, sure. but like it is, it's painfully obvious when you go to another country, eat, you know, feel it. Wow, this is great. I can eat pizza every day. If you came here and eat pizza every day in Detroit, you'd be in trouble. I'd be wrecked. You'd be in big trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, our flour, our you know, our everything from our milling, the distance between the our ingredients and our plates. Um, yeah, I mean, Italy has such a high standard from the production standpoint, um, and usually, when American influence enters the country, is when they start having more problems. You know, I mean, our, we are we we have a lot of great things in America. Uh, food system is not is not one of them, right? Exactly.
0: That's something. I mean, is it fixable? I know we're getting way off the rails from our sure, trip sure. to Italy here, but it is a problem. Uh, is it fixable?
1: It's a good question. You know, if you look at it's funny. I was just in. I was just in Rome. Well, what, what is Rome famous for, right? The fall of Rome. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they, Rome at one point had, you know, and they, they created the aqueducts. They built the highways. I mean, they they basically ran Europe. Obviously, they completely collapsed. So, like, these grand things collapse. You know, big things, you know, die. So, I think that, like, our food system the way that it is, uh, it has to change. I mean, at some point, right, whether it's climate change, whether it's, you know, uh, economy, whatever, you know, it's good. Yes. I mean, in the short term, what, yes, it's going to change, whether that's through collapse or through rehabilitation mm-hmm. or through reform. The way that we dine in America, the way that we rely on food systems is not sustainable. So, mm-hmm. yes, it will absolutely change whether we like it or not. Um, hopefully, we can adopt the models of the successful food systems of the world. That's what I'm hoping for. That's what I work for. Mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I mean, I you know, it depends on how bleak I'm feeling in the moment to answer that question. <laughs>
0: I do have one question. This might be a little bit of a cliche question, but what that you ate over there would you jump on a plane tomorrow to eat again?
1: You know, after I left Naples, I took a train to Bologna, and Bologna is in Emilia-Romagna. And Emilia-Romagna, I've you know, people will say is the breadbasket. It's one of the most important food regions, arguably the best. You know, if you look at prosciutto, if you look at uh, Parmesan reggiano balsamic, mortadella, these things all come from Emilia-Romagna. And really, the relationship with mortadella, that just stays with me. I, I think about mortadella. I crave it in a different way. Um, I had, a, you know, there's a, there's a mortadella lab. It's what it's called, a little sandwich shop. It's incredible. It's like a five-euro sandwich. People line up around the block for it. Um, that stays in my head. And then, you know, Ferrari, the museum, uh, you know, well, Ferrari, the, you know, obviously the, the car company mm-hmm. has a museum. And their restaurant, Restaurante Cavallino. I think it's been there for decades, and they basically rehabbed it with the help of Massimo Bottura, who's the most famous chef in Italy. He has Osteria Francescana, which is a three Michelin-star restaurant in Modena, which is where balsamic's from. You've usually seen balsamic vinegar of Modena on mm-hmm. the bottle. So Modena is the city. Um, so that's where Massimo is from. So Massimo is – I mean this guy is like – this. I mean he is a, hes like a patron saint of Emilia Romagna. The contributions he's made – are, are remarkable he can't his impact can't be overstated like you know we have Thomas Keller America has like grand atcket we have some big chefs Massimo is like I mean this is he like is this juggernaut so Ferrari basically approached him and said, can you help us with our restaurant because it's like you know it's like more or less the cafe restaurant to the museum oh okay so they it's kind of like their their little place to eat when when tourists are in town because mm-hmm. it's in a little village there's not a lot to do in the little village. And he was like, "Yes, but we, got, we have to overhaul everything. It's like it's a complete remodel." So they remodeled everything, and the menu is à la carte. It's very, it's very approachable. It's very light and delicious. But it's, I think, one of his old chefs from the restaurant is running it now, and it's such a well done restaurant. I mean, and you, they, they touch on the classics. Obviously, you're going to see things like you know tortellini and brodo, and you know classic you know you know, dishes of this region, but they were so modern and so well done. It was by far the best meal that I had. And I had, I had multiple, you know, Michelin meals when I was there. And like, this just blew it out of the water. And it's like, they're probably doing hundreds of covers a day. Very, very busy. But the other thing Amelia Mania is known for is, uh, Lambrusco sparkling red wine. Right. I had a few champagne method Lambruscos from Cantina della Volta, It blew my mind. So to answer your question, long-winded, the best thing I ate was actually something I drank because I'm obsessed with champagne. You know that. And there's a producer, Cantina De La Volta, they're doing champagne method lambruscos, and they're completely turning lambrusco on its head. They're showing off the grapes, the terroir in in the most elite way that you can show off sparkling wine. Had in you this.
0: tasted anything like this before?
1: Not not no, not from I mean there's some of them are so close to champagne it's almost hard to tell they're not uh, champagnes, okay. mm-hmm. but some of them were done so well to show off the grapes of the region and the terroir that it was it was uh you know I feel like it was very Italian of them to say we can do that too. You know it was, uh-huh. it, was, it, was it, it felt <laughs> like, you know, it felt uh it felt very inspiring to kind of have a conversation about Lambrusco mm-hmm. because Lambrusco sometimes has a bad reputation, right? And then shortly after this uh, this restaurant, and then the Lambrusco tasting, we went to uh, Juicy, which is basically um, a balsamic producer. So we had some really cool old balsamics. Learned a lot about balsamic, the history of it. Um, so I kind of got the got to get a. Got a good close up look at some of those classic ingredients. I mean, I've used balsamic so many times in my life. Right. Sometimes you kind of like take it for granted mm-hmm. and sort of visit it and go slow and look at the barrels and walk the, you know, walk the floor and kind of be with the production. You're like, okay, this is now I remember why it's so now I remember why it's in every cupboard like in the modern world. Why everyone has balsamic is because of it's, you know, how how special it is. So yeah, the best things that I ate weren't necessarily plates of food in a restaurant but more so the sourcing of ingredients
0: all right well i'm sure your next adventure is coming up pretty quickly you don't sit still for very
1: long yeah i don't you know i'm looking at i'm going to mexico in the fall but i'll I'll probably (laughs) try to squeeze in a country before then i do about five countries a year and uh you know yeah my my recommendation to everybody is for one get your passport because the passport you know, it takes, mm-hmm. it's, I think all the passport offices are so backed up right yep. now. So get your passport. Just I don't care if you don't have a plan or not. So number one, get your passport. Number two, don't be afraid to travel wherever you go. Number three, book a walking tour the second you land in a city. This is something I didn't do for too long in my life. I thought it was like touristy and I avoided it. Absolutely wrong. It gives you the key to the city, tip your tour guides, real cash in their hand, and then exchange WhatsApp. Get the WhatsApp app and then you can text people around the globe and then they will be your resources. I mean, I've had my friend in Oaxaca, Omar, who gave me a wonderful walking tour. He's the one that told me about Ana East that we interviewed. and oh, She yeah. gave me the walking mm-hmm. tour in Mexico City. Right. So like, you know, you, these, th- these little puzzle pieces fit together and eventually you start having resources around the world that change the way you travel it's all we are all connected it's like really i mean the more i travel the more i realize it is a tiny planet and we are all connected especially in the modern day
0: thanks so much for listening to essential cooking if you've been enjoying our show please drop us a review and share it with a friend this podcast is produced by me and with my co-host james regato This episode was also produced, engineered, and edited by Connor Anderson with production support from David Lyons, original music by the Mallet Brothers. Essential Cooking is a production of WDET, Detroit's NPR station.